Good morning, everyone, and, and welcome to this week's uh, online service. I pray that this, uh, this video finds you all uh, well, um, and that you all have all come to know uh, the, the comfort and the, the strength of the Lord in this last week um, as, as we continue to be in lockdown. This week, I, I want to welcome anyone who is listening for the first time or who doesn't normally come to uh, Snell's Beach Baptist Church uh, on, a, on a Sunday. And we are, we are glad that even though we cannot meet in person to, to welcome you, that this online format gives us um, really the, the opportunity to reach people who we might not normally get to see on a Sunday morning. If, if you want to learn more about our church, please uh, visit our website at sbbchurch.nz. We would love to get to know you a little more and to help uh, really just in any way that we can, so please feel free to to get in touch. As we have uh, heard more about what the restrictions are going to look like in, in Auckland uh, as, as we drop down to level three and two, uh, we have uh, decided to postpone meeting together in person until Auckland reaches level one. And this is because the, the restrictions on meeting together uh, that, that will still be in place during lockdown this time around um, during, during level two uh, means that we can't welcome back the entire church family together, um, and, and so we're, we're just going to wait until we can all be together. So as, as leadership, we will continue to pray for you all and to encourage you, um, and, and we also encourage you to pray for one another. Something that I've been doing is, is to pray through the directory that was um, handed out and emailed out in July, and I, I would encourage you all to, to pray through this and maybe to um, call and encourage and strengthen one another uh, as, as we are in lockdown. We, we uh, will continue to look for ways to encourage um, and strengthen the, the community while in lockdown, but uh, please feel free to contact me if you have any questions or suggestions on how to do this best, uh, or if you need anything personally uh, that I can help you with. As we turn to the Word this week, I just want to um, say that I've been, I've been really strengthened um, by the Lord in, in my reading from the book of Psalms, particularly Psalms uh, 101 to 107. And these are songs of, of ancient Israel that, uh, that retell the works of God. You know, the, these psalms were, were mostly written in, in periods of trial, these specific ones, and, and they give us an important example. You see, in, in uncertain times, we can look back on what God has done in the past to prove his faithfulness to us in our uh, turbulent present and our uncertain future. The, the Bible praises God as the God of history. He is not scared or surprised by what is going on around us. In fact, he, he takes what goes on around us and, and he turns it for good, even, it might, even if it might be something horrible. Romans uh, 8, chapter 28 says that in, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In the story of Joseph in, in Genesis, chapters 37 through 50, um, he is, he's sold by his brothers into slavery. And, and 20 to 30 years later, he, he meets up with his brothers again, and he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So even in, even in evil circumstances, even when the, the people who wrong us do so out of um, ill intent, God can take that and use it for good. 
And so the, the Bible proclaims God as the God of history who works even in the most troubling of times. And our God, we, we have strong hope, even though the world around us seems fragile. Not, not just because God can turn our stuff to um, good in this present life, but because he himself remains forever and is steadfast. We have hope in God because he, he remains and he is our eternal security. Um, the, the message of these psalms is that our God does not change. His character and love toward us will always remain the same. And, and this week, as I bring um, encouragement and, and exhortation and, and um, just the, the word of God from the book of 1 John, we can see this same emphasis here in, in the New Testament that we saw in the Old. This, this emphasis that our God is steadfast and unchanging. Because of this, he is our source of stability and our source of strength. In the, the letter of, of 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 17, we, we see the Apostle John giving uh, encouragement and giving an exhortation. He gives both comfort and challenge to his people. He, he comforts both the young and the old in his church in the knowledge of their salvation. He, he gives them an, an assurance to comfort them. Yet he also challenges them, both the mature and the immature, to live in, in the way that this um, salvation, this encouragement requires. You see, when, when we are saved by the, by the grace of God, we are brought into the victory of Jesus. He has won, and we now live his victory. John writes in, in 1 John uh, 2, 12-17 to uh, affirm the salvation of his readers and then to challenge them. Listen to what uh, God's word says. This is 1 John 2, chapter 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, this is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In this text, the Apostle John writes to his little children, his church, to encourage them, he writes to confirm in them the, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit that they are his. Yet John writes not only to comfort them, but to challenge them. You see, our, our belief, our faith in Christ should be for us a source of comfort and assurance. Yeah, and, and, and this is supposed to comfort and, and encourage us. Our, our faith in Christ 
however, does not allow us to remain unchanged, but it, it challenges and changes us. Another New Testament writer, the, the Apostle Paul, he puts it this way um, in, in the letter of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. He says, And we all, all of us Christians, when, when, when one turns to the Lord, the, the veil is taken away uh, from, from our face. And, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You see, as, as Christians, we, we cannot look at Christ. We cannot have fellowship with God without becoming more like him. Our faith and our fellowship with God produces comfort because we know that he will keep us. But our faith produces change because he does not leave us as we are. So would you pray with me as we uh, look more closely at the word of God this week? Holy Spirit, I, I pray today that you would comfort those who know you. God, that, that you would give strength, and that, that you would give them a sense of peace and, and a knowledge of your, um, your faithfulness to them. Lord, for those who don't know you, I, I pray that you would open their eyes to behold wonderful things from your word today. God, I, I ask that your, your light would shine forth into our lives and in our hearts. And Lord, that, that we would begin to, to live by this light, to, to walk around in the light instead of of the darkness. Just as the dawn breaks forth on a new day, Lord, would, would you let us um, begin to avoid the obstacles which used to trip us up? God, I ask that, that you would guide me as, as I attempt to teach your word. God, would, would, would my words be yours, and, and would you let your word lead us forward? God, we, we ask that, that your glory would be known in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our community. And Lord, we, we ask all these things, confident that you hear us because of your Son, who gave himself for us. Amen. So we've been going through 1 John for a little bit in, in the last few months, and we've, we've made it now through chapter 1 and through the first half of chapter 2, and we've, we've noticed a few things together. At, at least two. The, the first thing that, that we notice is that John is writing to Christians. He's, he's writing to people who already have this fellowship with God. And this is, this is something that he makes pretty clear throughout the letter. And he actually makes it clear in our text today. So I won't spend too much time on it now, but we'll come back to it later. So the first thing is that John writes to Christians. And the second thing is that he writes to these Christians to protect them from false teaching that had come into their church. People who were teaching um, confusing doctrines about Christ, things that were actually um, in error, things that were wrong about Jesus and who he is. And this change of doctrine led to a change of life. These people were saying that they didn't actually sin, that um, they had fellowship with the Father without actually um, changing the way that they lived. Um, but John writes to, to confirm in his readers. He, he says a number of things. He says, uh, to them that um, that God and Jesus Christ really came in the flesh. He was here and he he walked among us. John had seen and had touched him with his hands. He could he could verify Christ. 
And that, that this God in Christ, Jesus, um, those who believe in him can have a right relationship with God the Father. And that through Jesus we have fellowship with him. And this, this God, he shines light into our lives, John says. And, and those who, who live by the light and who, who recognize and confess the sin that this light exposes, these people are, are covered by the blood, by the sacrifice of Jesus, and are forgiven of their sin. But here John changes his tone. Instead of correcting these false teachers and, and talking about um, the things that they've taught and how they are wrong, he, he turns and he addresses his church. Look in your Bibles with me at, at, at the first half of this, verses 12 to 14 in chapter 2. Here John gives the reason why he is writing to his church. He says six times, he says, I am writing to you because. And, and look with me, these, these things, the, the reason that he's writing are things that could be said of every Christian. He says he is writing because their sins are forgiven. That is, they've, they've, they've lived by the light of Christ and seen their sin and made that confession. And the blood of Christ has covered them. John also says he writes because they know him who is from the beginning. They know God. They have overcome the evil one, he says. They know the Father. John, John knows his people, and, and he comforts both the young and the old, the, the immature and the mature in the knowledge of their salvation. He says that, um, he, says that he, he is writing to confirm in them, in this, in this section, he's writing to confirm in them the witness of the Spirit that they are his. For us today, what, what this text shows us is that we can have true assurance. We can, we can know that we are God's, not because we have followed a, a set of rules, but because God is faithful to us. That's what, that's what he said in, in chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And that, that has two parts to it. Yes, we have to confess but our forgiveness is not based on our confession. He says it's, it's based on Christ. Christ's faithfulness to us is where our forgiveness is found. So, so here is, is why he, he, um, he encourages them. He, he has, in the first chapter, he, he's challenged these false teachers. And he's given a set of tests to, to his believers. That these teachers, if they really knew God, they would have fellowship with him which means that they would walk in the light and not sin. It means that they wouldn't claim that they haven't sinned. It means that they would love their brother and that they would follow the commands of Christ. And John is pretty black and white when he gives these commands. And so for many of us who read, it can be a, a little bit challenging and a little bit scary to, to read these things and to question whether or not we are saved. Do I really do this all the time? Do, do I really love my brother every single time? And, and if I don't, am I really Am I really saved by Christ? Has his love really transformed my life? And so John writes here to, to stop and to confirm in his people that he knows their faith, that they can have assurance. While he does write to offer challenges and to help us grow in our faith, his point is, is, is not to shake our faith, but to establish it. And so in these first few verses, he, he confirms in his readers uh, their, their salvation. So he, he encourages them. He, he comforts them by, by confirming in them their salvation. 
And that this uh, assurance is not something that is earned, but rather something that is given. Uh, people talk about it as the inward confirmation by the Spirit of God that you belong to Him. And, and yet John pushes on. Because we belong to Him, we cannot live the same way. So yes, our belief produces assurance. But our belief also produces affection for God. Immediately after John finishes, finishes verse 14, in verse 15 he gives a command. He says, do not love the world. How, how many of us fall into the habit of stopping short of this challenge? You know, as, as Christians, so much of what we consume today, from the songs we sing, to the sermons we listen to, to the books we read, they, they are there to encourage us, to strengthen us. But sometimes we stop short of this challenge, even when the challenge issues from the same truth that is our comfort. Um, John presses home the reality of our salvation. He says that as Christians, we dare not put the desires of this world in the place which rightfully belongs to God. John says that, that as Christians, we, we dare not do this for two reasons. The first, he says in verse 16, that the things of this world are not, in, are, are not from God. And so how can, how can the Christian set his hope, how, how can the Christian love the things of this world and still proclaim to be in Christ? John says that, that all that is in the world is not from the Father, but is from the world. So that's, that's the first reason that the Christian does not love the world or the things in the world. The, the second reason he gives is that as Christians, we know that everything in this world is passing away. Everything it could offer us is temporary and will not satisfy. So how could we as Christians, who have fellowship with eternal God, settle for something that, that will, will be gone before, um, before the day is out? John says in verse 17, he says it here, The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So John challenges us who proclaim to be in Christ. In, in our lives, we can confirm our love for God by our reaction to this world. We will not be comforted by anything that has its source in this world because this world is passing away. It won't, it, won't, it won't be here forever. The only thing that can truly satisfy and comfort us is God himself. You know, this time is a particular season when Christians around the world are needing to confirm the source of their comfort. I haven't met a single person in the last year whose comfort has not been challenged in some way. When, when our circumstances, the, the things that happen to us or around us, when, when they breed fear or anger, rivalries between others and, and jealousy for others who are in our lives, when, when this circumstances breed these things, we, we can see that we have set our hope on the wrong things. Even if they are good things, things like politics or our work or our families, sometimes even our churches. When we are unable to let go of our reaction to our circumstances, this means that we have been basing our peace and our joy in the temporary things of this world. Like a child who, who keeps trying to build sandcastles too close 
to the waves. If we set our hope on the things of this world, they will continually fail us, even if they are good things. I think as Christians, we can often be blind to our own participation in setting our hope and our love towards this world. We, we fail to see that we can be as, as deeply and equally guilty of this as those who put their, all their hope in money and in pleasure and in status. John says that nothing, if it is ultimately based in this world, will satisfy us. This is what it means to, to set our love on God. Our love must always be directed toward God. Only God and the things that come from, from Him will remain forever. And John challenges us who believe to set our desires and our affection on God. So John is writing to, to his own people. He writes to encourage them concerning their salvation. And he writes to exhort them. John confirms what he knows is, is true, that his people know God and have believed in him. But John not only confirms this in them, he challenges them with this same truth. You know, it is, it is one thing to have a religious experience and another thing to encounter the living God. We will never walk away from an encounter with God unchanged. This is like uh, Jacob who wrestled with God in Genesis chapter 32. He walked for the rest of his life with a limp. John challenges us to forsake our love for this world and our love for the things that come from this world. And, and, and to set them on God. To, 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 to take our love, our affection, our devotion, and turn them towards God. So that he is the one who satisfies us. You know, to, to test ourselves, we could ask this question. Do, does your encounter with this world influence your relationship with God? Or has your encounter with God changed your relationship with this world? Are you living as a Christian, although in the world, or are you living in the world as a worldly Christian? You know, if, if you don't know Christ, if, if you have not trusted in his work, this letter from, from John teaches us what it means to believe in Christ. John tells us that we have forgiveness in Christ. He tells us that we can experience the love of God in Jesus. If you have not trusted Jesus with your life, he offers you a hope that will always come through for you. He offers you a life that is filled with purpose. And he offers you these things, and these things are sure and steadfast because he has offered his, his very self for you. If you don't know him today, take up this book and read it. You will, you will come to know him who is, is more satisfying than anything else. If you are in Christ, John comforts us by confirming in us our salvation. Yet he also takes this truth and he, he challenges us to live for God. Let your encounter with God influence how you live in this world, not the other way around. Take heart if you are in Christ, in the victory of Christ on your behalf. And let this victory of Christ take your heart.